So, Marky, um, yeah, take us back, bro. Who's Mark? For, for those that don't know who uh, Mark Carroll is, just give us a bit of background on yourself, man. Well, I'm obviously these days, a, I guess, a personal trainer, coach, Mark Carroll. Yeah, probably got it from the name. Um, I've been in the industry for about 16 years now, um, and I became a personal trainer straight out of school. And so basically, this is what I've always done. Um, these days, I have a couple of different businesses. I have my Coach Mark Carroll business, which is basically doing kind of programs on mass, like 12-week guidebook programs, eight-week challenges, and you know, have a lot of people do those. You know, I think we've sold over 130,000 programs now in the last four years. So a lot of people have been using my programs, which is really cool, and I kind of specialize in more body composition, transformations. I also train a lot of bikini competitors. I've trained world bikini champions. I've trained a lot of female fitness influencers, really, really big influencers in the world. Um, and I also have an education company called Carol Performance Education with my brother, Glenn, which we certify personal trainers. So if you want to become a personal trainer, you can get qualified with our certificate three and four yeah. fitness. So that's pretty cool. So I don't think, you know, obviously many coaches have that. So we've got our cert three and cert four, which is internationally recognized. So we have students all over the world starting with us. And then we also, I also have my program design course, which is a course for coaches who want to learn program design at a, a really detailed level. So that's about a 40 hour video education course. And I also have a fitness business strategy course with another business partner, Jenna Davies, um, helping coaches actually build a brand and helping go online and obviously have a successful business. So my whole main thing is, you know, trying to get results, whatever I do, helping a lot of people, um, and recently I started a podcast and that's the Coach Mark Carroll podcast and that's gone number one in Australia a lot of times in fitness as well. So I started that about six months ago. And so, yeah, so now, now, yeah, just trying to cover a few different things and whatever I do, just try and do a good job and try to help people. Well, I can't hear you. I said yeah. credit to you, bro. Like your your glute coach, I invested in that. And for what you charge, man, I remember messaging you and I go, bro, this is like worth three grand. And, um, you know, for what the amount of content that's in there, the amount of detail you put in there, bro, credit to you that, that you've blown up the way you have, man. So um, I know you put a story up the other day saying a lot of coaches are ripping your stuff and not giving you credit, bro. But one thing I did want to give you credit, credit to was... Um, the way you periodize your steps, like I remember investing in a program and I, I'm certified by Nutrition Coaching Institute there in the States. And I was yep. personally mentored by Jason Phillips, who's pretty big in the States. And the only three people I've ever listened to was Jason, yourself and um, um, Lane Norton. Yeah, and so, yeah. So the periodization of steps, I started doing, geez, probably about 2015 when steps kind of came on the scene and I hadn't seen anyone else kind of do that or talk about it and yeah it's just kind of made a lot of sense when you kind of look at the reasons why you would do steps obviously to kind of counteract your non-exercise activity thermogenesis your neat levels dropping so you expend less calories so that's the whole idea was to keep you know have a step target to keep your calories consistent but then I noticed that no one else was then really understanding of that. Well, if you weigh less as you continuing losing weight and then if you keep having your neat levels drop and drop and drop, you should then therefore should be 
trying to counter counteract that. And so that's kind of the idea of the steps. And yeah, it's, it's something, you know, I've been teaching for a fair few years now and I know a lot of coaches around the world start using it, which is really cool. But yeah, it's a simple concept, but once you get it, you go, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Bro, super simple, but not many people talk about it. And it's a super easy way to track output, you know, rather than doing an F45 class and trying to fucking burn 800 calories per workout. So nah, man, I appreciate that. But um, now you got into the physique space. Obviously, you're a you're a world champion there. Um, what Take me back to your childhood, bro. Was there a reason, like what made you so passionate about fitness? I was definitely your stereotypical kind of teenage boy who had low confidence, low self-esteem and thought, well, maybe if I got jacked, I'd feel better about myself. Maybe if I got bigger muscles and had abs and stuff like that, girls would be more interested and stuff like that. And I loved WWE. So guys like The Rock, John Cena and stuff like that, like that was like my world. And so you got, you know, your heroes are just these enormous jack dudes. And this was before you realize that they're all on steroids and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. So, you know, so early on in my fitness career, just like, you know, unaware of of the deeper details of how guys get so enormous. And, you know, I was a big fan of um, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Sylvester Stallone, which again, you know, the 80s, 90s. Rocky Four. Yeah. yeah. Jack, Jack juice to the eyeballs. Again, so I was like here in my backyard. I remember training at like 13, 14, doing like, I had like a rusted barbell set and some crappy dumbbells, which I just left in the rain. I'll just train every day. I like sometimes I'll just, I just remember in winter and stuff, train in the backyard and train for two, three hours, not knowing what I really was trying to do. But yeah, it's just, again, one of those things where you actually work hard at something, you still get some solid results. And for me, it just came like I was a rugby player and I thought, well, hey, I'm not a big guy. You know, I'm only like five foot eight. And a lot of my friends who were playing rugby were all, you know, much bigger, but you know, I was fast. And and I thought, well, if I can be fast and really, really strong, that will help things. So that's kind of what made me really get into weights and stuff. And then after school, well, at school, school was always a struggle for me. I got a lot of trouble. got suspended for year 12. I missed three months of year 12 for being suspended. What so happened? I, uh, I actually knocked out a parent. Oh, wow. In a rugby match in my first 15 match in, in the crowd, I got ran across the field in the game. Oh, geez. The guy was arguing with my dad and I ran into the crowd and dropped him and knocked it out yeah. of parent. The parents are the but, issue with those games anyway. Yeah. So this was like, again, when I was in my real, like, you know, yeah, trying to work out who you are kind of self, you know, when you're kind of younger and you're like angry at the world because you don't feel, you know, you belong and stuff like that. So that's yeah. why I was really brutal for me um, from a standpoint of, you know, anger and self-esteem and stuff like that. And, and, so that didn't work out. And so obviously I got banned from rugby for a year or two. And my goal was to play for Australian schoolboys, and that didn't work out. And that's where I then really went in on training again. Cause that's all that I wasn't allowed to play rugby. Um, so weights. And then after school, um, obviously I missed so much school. I wasn't able to get into university or anything. And so that's where personal training seemed like a logical choice. You didn't need to have a university, you know, uh, be qualified to obviously like you need to do to get to university and I didn't have any money. So I couldn't do anything much else. And, and I like training. And so I thought, Oh, cool. You can be a personal trainer and get paid to, you know, help people. And that's something I enjoyed. And so that was kind of where I got into it. And yeah, so it's been a bit of a, bit of a process because 
the industry obviously has changed dramatically the yeah. last 15, 16 years. You know, there was no social media when I started. No one, fitness wasn't a thing. Like when I became a PT, like people were mortified. They're like, what? You're a personal trainer. It just seemed like a, a terrible job to a lot of my, my mom and dad were happy, but like my, my relatives, my granddad, I remember was like mortified. It was like, that's what you're doing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't what, you know, as glamorous, it wasn't, you know, something people would see as like, oh, let's go get rich and all this stuff. It was just, yeah. And so it was, it's been an up and down career, you know, so it, yeah. So it's kind of where I'm at right now. It was definitely never expected or never planned. That's for sure. Yeah, man. I remember, I can't remember where I heard it, but I can relate to your story a lot in terms of when, when you got started, you know, like applying for jobs and even like as far back as boxing, bro. Like I remember wanting to be an amateur boxer early in my twenties and I started coaching boxing in parks and, and I started there and, and it grew from there, bro. Just take me back to that point where you, I'm not sure, were you working at gyms before you started the whole boot camp stuff? No. So I was training at a really, really small kind of crappy gym where I lived at Kingsford and also really, it was just me and all these old people and stuff like that. And kind of where I lived was, uh, it was a, you know, very multicultural area and stuff like that. So everyone was kind of like elderly and, um, yeah. And then I was at the gym at this gym with all these elderly people. And so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a real fitness hub. So it wasn't like, oh, cool. I've been training at this gym. Can I just apply? And then. Bro, you would have looked good benching in that gym, eh? Man, anyone would have looked good. <laughs> you know, like if you could bench the bar without breaking your shoulder, you would have looked good. Um, oh, there you go. That's yeah. So, but that's where I was. And so it was very hard for me just to rock up to gyms. And I, so I tried a few and no one got back to me. Um, so I think I applied for about six gyms and no one got back to me, um, which is, is what it is. And then, so I kind of just got into the park fitness and that was a really slow process. And the whole time I was kind of doing park fitness, I was doing like, you know, circuits and boxing classes, even one-to-one I was kind of doing it at um, observatory Hill in the city near the Harbour bridge. And you know, the whole time I'd be doing it, I was just, you know, I'd go there in the morning for two sessions, come home, do nothing all day, and then go to a, a gym class. I used to work at the RPA hospital um, and do classes there for the staff there. And that was basically my day, you know, it was like just going through the motions. And I was like, is this life? Like, is this, is, is this what it is? You know, so yeah. it was fine money, you know, but yeah, I was like the whole time I was kind of one foot in, one foot out. I applied for other jobs and didn't get them either. So it was kind of a, going through the motions for four, five, six years. And then when I kind of moved house and I moved to um more Heffron Way mascot and I started training at my gym at East Gardens and that's where it was more bodybuilding gym. And that's when I was in really, really good shape and and I got a job there and that's where things started to really go well initially. And that's when I then also started to dive into more education. I started seeing other coaches and I was like, oh, wow, like, there's courses you can do and stuff like that. Whereas before my education was like bodybuilding magazines and stuff. So I was your typical kind of, you know, your knowledge from bodybuilding magazines, bro splits, stuff like that. And then that's why, yeah. that's why I learned about people like Charles Poliquin. And I started doing heaps of courses. And then I went to clean health back when it was kind of in its pinnacle around 2015 or something. And then, yeah. So the lot, then I started getting the education space and learning and, you know, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on internships, seminars, courses, and stuff like that with some of the best coaches in the world. And that really kind of created a launch pad for me to progressively move up. And then the last few years, um, 
when I got into the social media space, I was super late to get into Instagram. But even though I was, I trained a lot of good people. So it was kind of a, you know, it's a lot of parts of kind of having any success in life is kind of a little bit of luck with timing, but it's also being actually prepared for when those opportunities arise. And yeah. from working hard and training and, you know, my goal is to be the best coach in Australia. Once I got finally opportunity to train a good, some few good people, then they went on to become world champions and that really launched my name. So it was kind of a, and so it kind of looked like people were like, oh, where'd this guy come from and stuff. But it was kind of like, well, I'd been doing this for 10 years, just yeah. behind the scenes. So that's where, you know, you get opportunity in, in life. You got to, you can either take it and make it home run and then you really blow up or obviously you don't take it and stuff like that. So it was, it's yeah. So it was a, yeah, I think about 2018 that I started training a lot of big people like Lauren Simpson and I had um, women like Fit Girl Mel, Fit Girl Mel. Um, I was mentoring and training and she was, at the time, she was training Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Um, so that really blew me up um, in America and stuff like that. Yeah, and so I went to America and hung out with Mel a lot, you know, so it was pretty crazy. I'd hang out. And I'd go to dinner with Mel and then next to me, she's like, you know, we're at dinner and she's just texting Kim Kardashian and stuff like that. So it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty funny stuff like that. So I was like, oh, wow. Like, and so that she, Mel did an awesome job of like, you know, showing me out to her world. And that really just kind of blew up my platform. And I was training a girl called Hannah Oberg over in Sweden who had like 2 million followers. So it was, it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of being able to coach great people and then great people sharing me because I did got them amazing results. And that kind of really launched me out to, I guess, the world on a larger scale and allowed me kind of to go into what I did now. And yeah, that's been about four years. I've been doing the coach Mark Howard business and yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's definitely kind of been up and down um, and you know, where I started and where I've gone is definitely not a linear linear way of doing things you know so it's been quite an interesting journey and every time you feel like you know you, you're, you're really doing great something happens and you get feel like you get you, your world crumbles and then every time you feel like it's all over you're down and out something happens and you come back up so it's, it's been really interesting and yeah a lot of struggles and yeah it's just the journey of life really yeah it's it's how much of it is because I know you're the type that, you know, once you win, you don't stay there and celebrate, bro. I don't know if you've listened to Tim Grover's stuff. You know, Tim Grover, Michael Jordan's. Ex-trainer. Yeah, Relentless, his book, Relentless and stuff. Yeah. Like read those, yeah. Like, man, I read that book and I, I was like, fuck, I relate to this so much, hey. And even winning, how like. like- yeah, I've said yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, I remember he, his book was talking about like training Dwayne Wade and like the attitude and stuff like that. Like, what was it? The cleaner or something. Yeah. The cleaner. Yeah. That mindset. Hey. Yeah. So it's quite hard, you know, with, um, with a lot of these things, because especially in the the world today with social media, I often find that it's so easy to assess kind of how you're going. You know, you even like off social media, you can go my likes, my comments, my growth of my social media platform or with what I do, you know, when I sell products on mass and you can compare up against, you know, how did this challenge go versus last challenge? Um, it's, it's often very, these days it's really easy to, I find to assess if you're making progress or not. 
And so that's often quite hard because it's just so there. The data is there. So if you're doing well, fantastic. But it's also really easy to see if you're not doing as well or you're not progressing as well. Yeah. And so it's kind of pushing through that. And that's what is often hard when you, you know, in business and stuff like that, you go, all right, well, I don't know much and I'm doing this. And then it does amazing. And then you go, well, wow, I, I did this had this success without knowing anything. So therefore I'm going to go learn heaps and then you go and learn heaps, get better. And then your results go worse. You know, so that's how it often feels with, you know, business and pushing through and, you know, who, who knew, who was kind of expecting for me, I'm obviously it's a different kind of business structure to you, but for COVID, I thought COVID, well, we're screwed. But then people like myself in COVID, it was amazing because all of a sudden at home, bro, the eyeballs were there. You're on their phones they need to train. They can't go see their training in the gym. And so it just blew up for myself and other people like me. And then post COVID last year, you know, algorithms changing and all these things, it's just getting hard. Like I know everybody I know in the fitness space who are really big are getting wrecked. You know, I saw sweat, you know, Kelly signs us. Um, they had a hundred million dollar loss, I believe. In the last wow. Or something. So seen other people, big people, you know, they were trying to get like valuations for their business for like 80, hundred million dollars. And, and a year on, they can't even sell it for like 10 million or something like that. Big fitness businesses and stuff like that, because it's just COVID growth. It was like this, like the stock market, everything just blew up with all that cash being injected, you know, people sitting at home and stuff like that. And then that hockey stick. literally, and so when COVID ended, people, I'm sure like yourself, you just had that huge influx of people coming back into the gym and everyone's excited to actually go train with people, have that camaraderie, not just sit at home and not just do a home program. They want to see friends. They, you know, have that social setting. So it's funny. Things just something I've learned, man, from doing this for 15, 16 years, everything goes in cycles. Sometimes when you're winning, enjoy it, but don't feel too good about it because chances are it's going to come back down. And when you're not winning and you feel like you're losing, try not to feel too terrible because inevitably most 99.9% of the time that, you know, terrible patch in life generally rides itself out and is a launch pad for your next success and kind of building up. So at the moment, I kind of, kind of feel like with social media, it's, you know, it's a bit of a negative space, you know, with the, with the, world economy people not wanting to spend so it's definitely a bit harder at the moment that's for sure um to get the same results but who knows like i said no one's kind of expecting the pandemic to come on and what happened there so you just never know these days yeah that's it you just keep planning eh? in the winter as jim Rohn says bro and that man it's just it's just kind of like like i'm i'm a person that gets really you know overanalyze stuff overthink stuff and stuff like that and so it's kind of like as kind of cliche as kind of like generic Tony Robbins kind of saying and stuff like that. It's just like, if you can just win the day, you know, if you can have one good day, do that well, whatever you're doing, at least you've done that well. So good chance that if you're doing a win the day, that day, even as small as it is, it's probably going to have a positive effect on the next few days and everything you do right now, even though it doesn't feel like it's maybe lead to any success, those little things, those habits you're doing now, that can help you then where you want to be in a year or two. Like I, I forget what I, I think I was. I, I was listening to that. I think it was Atomic Habits. Have you read that? Atomic. Yeah, Habits? it's a great book, man. I was just like listening. There's a YouTube guy called Swedish Investor, and he does like 15 minute video summaries about it books. And so some I often listen to them to get ideas. And I think he was just saying that 
yeah where, where wherever you are in life right now that's due to your habits the last two three four years ago yeah. you know so right now where you are if you're not happy or you know that's due to what you've been doing not right now but the years before so that's why trying to think long term and go all right well right now if i'm not where i want to be well if i want to be at x what are the habits i have to do right now to get me there and it's just you know like weight loss you know i want to lose 10 kilos well that's great but what can you do right now to help you get to the first half kilo drop then the second kilo and then all, all that, those things and that's kind of something i found is is all not many things you can control especially in the long term things happen but if you can control what you're doing today and tomorrow's cliche as it sounds i think you're probably going to be putting yourself in a, in a solid position to at least try to get better and at worst case you know at worst case you just know you're trying to do you've done you're doing everything you can to try and get better bro that's the game eh? one day at a time i got that from are you familiar with andy frisella he's like there's something 70 something hard is it is 70, that the guy? 75 hard yeah but he's known for um he's he's got a company first form in america it's one of the biggest supplement companies. He's a big business guy. And he's got a thing. It's called the power list, bro. You write five things down, five critical tasks to do every day. And he's got at the top of the page, you got WL. So if you get those five things done, you circle W. If you don't, you circle L. And he goes, you just need to win the day. And he goes, people come to me. They're like, you got to work 24 hours a day. Um, he goes, bro, you're not going to get fucking 20 things done. Just get five things done and consistently do them. And once you've done them for 21 to 28 days, you keep doing them in the background and just adding new critical tasks. But like you said, bro, when, because he says that a lot, when shit starts to go bad, you might be listening to, you know, audio books, you might start reading and you go, you know what, fuck, I, I know everything. So you stop reading, you stop listening to the audio and then your sales go down. You're like, fuck, you know what? It's so true, eh? You look back and you're like, oh yeah, man, I stopped reading. I stopped doing those little things here and there. How true do you yeah. think that is? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, even for me, me these days, because I'm trying to do so much. You know, like I'm a big, I'm a big believer, especially now the older I get, that you know, if you don't use it, you lose it, and that's yeah. not just your body, but it's like your um your knowledge and stuff like that. So, for example, what I was doing in fitness, say, say seven, eight years ago, on different things. Now that I've kind of gone in on certain type of market, and now a lot of my learnings more about business, marketing, all that stuff. You start to think you get a question and you're like something you just say like this you just know every single thing or every single hormone for this and like wait what was that again and you start to get away from the things that you used to do and know if you start to kind of learn new things that like i feel like you can only know so much and sometimes things kind of get pushed out or to the back of your mind your yeah. mind and stuff and that's why that's why it's kind of these days i'm kind of big on trying to figure out what's what's going to be the biggest win so if i can if i can go in on something that's all right so what's causing me the most distress or what's holding me my business back or my physique back or something like that the most let's not worry about you know 10 different things let's just find out what is the biggest rock the most bang for buck intervention you can do and that's something i've you know i've been doing i've been terrible with my food lately and i've had had all these injuries and a lot of like depression and stuff like that. And so I've just fallen off and, you know, I was looking at, at it's like, yeah, well, I'm going to the gym, but I'm still not in a great shape. And I was like, all right, but I still go to the gym. 
and mostly despite all this, but I still keep getting fatter and weaker and stuff like that. And I was like, well, clearly it's not the going to the gym that's causing that, you know, it's clearly the diet. And so that's why, you know, let's analyze what's going on. Let's find the most number one big rock that I'm not doing well. And that's my nutrition. So the last few days of going back to just not even trying to do flexible dieting or anything like that. Let's just reframe my mind to go, let's just put this health back in your diet. Let's go no flexible diet. And let's just get used to actually enjoying healthy foods and retrain my brain and just my habits. And that's what I'm working on right now is like, you know, just in habits. So, you know, right now each morning I wake up and read every day. I read for about 45 minutes in the morning. I start my day with that no matter what. It's just, I jump up, get out of bed early and go read. And that's why I think, you know, going back to, you know, whatever you're doing and winning the day, it's, if you make something a habit, those habits, you know, really do win out, whether it's your training, your nutrition, your, you know, business career, whatever you're doing, it's just um, doing the little things well. And in regards to not trying to do everything or, you know, those small lists, um, I actually read a book, it's called the 80-20 principle. And the 80-20 principle is like a really famous kind of like formula, kind of anecdotal formula looking at like life and what brings success. And it's normally like a more like 20% of the things you do in say business bring you 80% of the results. Yeah. Often people then go, all right, I'm so busy. I'm doing so many different things and you're doing, you know, 10 things, but two of those things are probably what's bringing you 80% of your income. So do you need to be so stressed out doing those eight other things or how can we cut back on, you know, two, three, four or five of those other things to give you more time in your life? And, you know, all of a sudden you're doing five things and you're still getting 97% of the result instead of 100%, but you're not as tired. You're not as spending as much. Um, you're more energetic for your your family. You've got more um, balance in your life. And that's something, you know, I've been really big on is recently is kind of looking at everything I'm doing. Am I doing as much as possible just to be busy. And that's something you often go, it's like, I should be doing something. So you start doing more and more and more. And then sometimes your quality of what your key things are starts to shift away from things yeah, you probably be spending on and you get busier and busier and busier. And then you're like, man, wait, like how much of that stuff has actually helped? How much of, of that stuff was really needed? And so then recently I'm like, all right, how can I cut back? How can I be not as busy? How can I go all in on the things that actually matter and start to cut away just trying to do other things just because, you know, we've got that, you get that kind of mindset, you know, Gary V and stuff like that, who I love, but they also that hustle mode where it's just, you're just doing something to hustle. And so I think it gets in your head. It's like, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. If I'm, if I'm not working, I'm not trying and stuff like that. And I don't think that's true either because sometimes you just, do more and more and more, which takes away from something you should be going all in on. 100% bro. I can relate to that so much. eh? Cause I, I was like that too, man. Oh, I'm still like that. You know, where I'll have my trainer coaching sessions at night and I'm like, fuck, I can't be sitting here, but I've been on sales calls all day. Um, you know, even nutrition calls and all that kind of stuff, bro. But then it'd hit 5 PM. I'm like, nah, I've got to keep going. I've got to keep do, doing something. And it takes from your family time and all that kind of stuff, man. So I can definitely relate, bro um yeah it's a, it's an interesting one i find the bigger your goals become or you know the more you achieve 
the hungrier you get to, you know, want to get better in the Gold Coast, Gold Coast, not the Gold Coast, the Gold Posts keep moving and you're trying to keep, you know, saying bigger goals, bigger goals, bigger goals. And each time you set a big goal, then you think, well, I've got to work more and work more. And then, you know, a lot of the, the process or the journey starts to become less enjoyable because you're just killing yourself. And it's like, how much more am I doing to bring much more success? And it's like, well, do I need more money? And like, you know, once you get past a certain threshold of money, you know, do you need more if it means it you're spending hours and hours and hours less away from your family and friends and social life and stuff like that. So that's something I'm definitely trying to work out. Not that I do it that well, but it's trying to be a bit more efficient with my time, do things well. The time I have, I'm going to do something, do it well. For me, my big weakness is definitely like social media, like have it. The worst thing, man, is that having a phone where you need to be on for messaging your team, email, um, obviously posting on social media, but then you get caught in that trap of just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. The amount of time, hours you waste and stuff, you're like, fuck, like I said I wasn't going to open my phone and I just spent 45 minutes, you know, so that that's my big area of weakness I'm trying to work on. And then, you know, all of a sudden, if you start to get rid of the, a lot of the, you know, things that lead to pro- procrastination, all of a sudden you realize, hey, maybe I'm not as busy as, as I am. And then I can just be a bit more efficient on the things I need to be doing. Yeah, bro. And even like yourself and Lauren, both massive on, you know, social media, it'd be hard at home. Hey, trying to find balance because I, I know you're not big on the, the food and stuff, but obviously Lauren, she's got that aspect of, you know, showing them what they're eating. They want to see how you're training throughout the day. You're answering questions all day. Do you kind of have like a, a schedule where you're like, all right, I'm not going to get on it this time or? Not really. Like I'm really terrible, you know, cause I've got staff who work all over the world. And yep. so like I could be messaging someone 24 hours a day in my team, you know, so there's always someone to message or always someone up. Yeah. Um, and so, and then obviously my clients are all over the world and on social media, you know, it's just, you know, I run my whole social media. No one does my DM. No one does any of that. It's all me and stuff. And so yeah. that's why you're successful, but bro, because I've listened to a lot of super successful people and they're like, bro, they've got fucking 3 million followers. And they're like, man, I'm not going to have some, you know, receptionist answer my DMs for me, you know, or some VA. Yeah. Because people don't like, you know, obviously you get people who are trying to figure out the best program for them. And, you know, they've got quite, you know, a lot of questions and a lot of the answers are quite nuanced and you don't want to push someone in the wrong direction when they, you know, they might be struggling and they're, you know, they've been saving to afford one of your programs for two months and then they ask you which one should they get and then if it's not you and someone else in your team answers and they push them in the wrong direction and then they've yeah. invested their hard-earned money into something else which wasn't the best for them, I hate that thought and stuff like that. And so you always just want to be able to, push people in the right direction, especially when people want to invest their hard-earned money into you. And, and as well, you just, if you do quit, get, you know, questions and DMs and stuff like that, you want to be actually able to answer them in a way that actually reflects you and your knowledge and so often, you know, people are always like, man, why don't you get someone else to do your content and stuff? I'm like, content and stuff. I'm like, well, no one else can really put together. Like you, people don't know what I have to say, if like, you know, and what angle I'm trying to, you know, you know, if I'm trying to, 
show a sp- an issue with a score. I need to know exact angle I'm trying to show so the audience know. I need to know exact wording of stuff. And, you know, no one can kind of really replicate that kind of stuff, you know, when it's you. And so that's why it's hard because obviously I've got my coach, Mark Carroll. I've got Carroll Performance, which I run the education um the social media there and then obviously writing a lot of blogs for each and all that stuff so and then obviously being the kind of ceo of businesses and the marketer of businesses and the, yeah. you know the direction of that stuff so it is a lot of things and and that's where it does get a, a bit hard but again trying to figure out well what's the most bang for buck intervention i can do what what don't i need to do i think is something that is going to allow myself and anyone out there to try and get more out of themselves and actually maybe not work as much if they just go in on the stuff that actually really matters. Yeah, bro. I can relate to that a lot. Now, bro, before we touch base on some nutrition stuff, um, I heard this from Seth Godin, man. I love his stuff. He's just, he's just a God. I don't know if you know Seth Godin, but yeah. Marketing made simple and stuff like that. Purple cow. And Purple stuff. cow. Yeah, man. Now he's, he talks about like being a freelancer and entrepreneur. And this is something I've struggled with a lot, bro. Cause I love the art of coaching. Because a lot of people are like, Matt, just get off the floor. You should have a whole team of coaches um, under you and you just should be sitting back managing people. But for me to think think about getting away from coaching, I know I wouldn't be happy doing that, bro. Like I'm kind of happy sitting in between. Where do you sit there, bro? As like, I know you're still doing your art. You're still programming for people. You're still working with some people. Could you see yourself being that? CEO just managing people and completely getting away for fitness or do you like keeping your foot in the door and it I guess it kind of depends on where your business is at you know it's not like I have a I'm not running a hundred million dollar a year business and stuff like that you know I've got an all right business and stuff like that but it's it's not this hey, more gigantic, than all right mate it's, <laughs> it's not this gigantic thing which you know you can't do other things and you know you've got shareholders and all that stuff that you're running and you know so it's a standpoint of you know, obviously I'm not on the gym floor and stuff like that these days, but I, even though I enjoy it, but it's just, it's just from a time perspective and stuff like that, it just doesn't oh, fit into kind of where I'm at and living and stuff like that. Like I, I, I like it, but I just, you know, trying to run what I do being on other people's times and, you know, trying to book in times and stuff like that. It's just not efficient for me, but that's why I still do online, online clients. Yeah, um, I think online, I still have about, 13 to 15 online clients. I think I took on about four for the first in the last week or so for the first time in about two, three years because some of my clients ended after the, you know, they've been training me for like some of them four years. And obviously it's quite expensive online coaching, especially for four years. But my thing is, is that, as I said, if you don't use it, you lose it and you can't really be. Yeah. So everything I put out in my programs, they're, actually things I do with my clients, right? So everything I put in my program, it's something I know has worked over and over and over. So I don't just write generic programs like most influencers and stuff and be like, oh, here's my workout and this worked for me. Like, no, that's meaningless. I'm a coach. That's hence why my name is Coach Mark Carroll. Everything I put in my program from bikini body challenges and stuff like that are methods and and periodization schemes I've used for hundreds and hundreds of private clients, you know, world champions, personal trainers, general population you name it so if you stop doing that and stop doing online cl- clients for myself that means i'm starting to 
going uh, it means i'm going to start losing kind of what makes me me i think you know starts just become a generic kind of influencer and stuff like that you know so i always want to be a coach i always want to be you know my goal is always to be the best coach in the world at what i do that's that's the only thing i want to do and so obviously now with the challenges and the guidebooks i do that because it's a vessel to allow me to work with thousands of people obviously private online you can't do that and so by working with a few online people it still allows me to have good relationships with a few people because obviously it's hard through social media to do that on a deep level um but then mostly i can you know learn things try things so i don't want to be I don't want to be someone who, you know, learned something and used it and used it and used it, but then something comes out that could potentially make my coaching better or maybe make me say, hey, that thing I was doing probably wasn't as good and the science is not backing that up. I don't want to be a coach that then puts a head in their sand and be like, no, I don't care. I'm just going to keep doing my method, you know? So your, you know, whatever, whatever the Mark Carroll method is, that should always be evolving and you also should be, you know, you should have your base principles, but you always want to strive to get better. And if you stop completely working on your craft, you're basically saying, well, I know everything. I'm going to stop learning. There's no more need to learn. And from a standpoint of, yeah, you can keep reading research and science and stuff like that and see what other people are doing and put in your programs. But I'm a, I, I'm a huge believer that it's not knowledge learned if it's not applied. And so often I see people, you know, they run in social media, oh, this is stupid or you're wrong. And then I'm like, who the fuck is this person? And then I say they've got like a, th- a thousand followers with, you know, being a trainer for three months and they never trained anyone and they're telling you something's wrong when you haven't trained themselves. Haven't trained themselves. And whereas I've trained, you know, thousands of people at a high level and stuff like that. So it's really important to actually know that what you're putting out works and works in a personalized setting as well and has worked. And then let's say you think, all right, cool. I think this is a great strategy and this is going to work. And then you have three online clients and then you start to see that everyone's not exactly the same. So you do one strategy for one person and then another client might have very similar goals, but they're, they're someone who doesn't tolerate as much volume well, so that you need to reduce their training sets. And then you've got another person again, super similar, say 25 year old woman trains hard, but she's got fantastic recovery. She's got no stress. So therefore that she can tolerate a bit more volume or frequency and things like that. So it's important to kind of look at everyone still as an individual, you know, case study. And then that allows you to then formulate a bit of an opinion of, all right, you've got one client here, one client here, then what is probably the middle ground. And that middle ground is then where I try to create my, guidebook programs where thousands of people are doing them but if you don't have that experience of training different people it's kind of hard to understand well what is you know what is the average what is you know outliers on either end and how you can alternate it so even when i write my programs i always try to say hey like if you can't do five days do four days and structure like this if you can't do this or you have a recover problem with recovery take sets away here so i think just from skills that it's important to have some clients if you're still trying to be a coach like now if i was just trying to say hey i just want to be a ceo i just want to be a business marketing guy then you'd probably go all in that but for me i always think well who knows what's going to happen with social media who knows what's going to happen with business if if social media died in a year's time and you've got no business well then i'll go back to being a personal trainer full-time so you don't want to go back to being a personal trainer and lose all the skills that you built up the previous year. So I'm always like, well, 
I still want to get better at it. It might not be my sole priority these days, but doing a little can still give you um, a great ability to keep working on your craft and getting better. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And it's crazy how much you learn working with people, man. I remember when I was when I was studying nutrition, and uh, you know they were talking about the whole stress aspect, and I was like, "Fuck, let's just get to the good stuff." Like, fuck stress, fuck sleep. But then when you work with people, man, and it's just crazy, like people that are super stressed, certain protocols won't work until you fix that stress first. And I remember when I first came in, you know, metabolic adaptation was a big thing and it was obviously still is, but I just assumed everyone that came to me, they were telling me they were eating 1200 calories was metabolically adapted. And the more I was working with people and checking out their food logs, I'm like, look, you're, you're fucking really eating 1800 calories here. Like adherence is first, eh? Yeah, so one of the hardest things. And it's hard to tell them too, eh? I was about to, yeah. So one of the hardest things being a coach is telling someone that they're lying. (laughs) They're telling that they're they're not, they're not, majority of the time, I don't think they're trying to lie to you. But deep down, I think majority of the time they know, or some rare cases, they're just oblivious. And people don't like, you know, failing and they don't like not doing things well but they also don't like feeling like well i know i'm not probably doing that but it hurts too much to really analyze that so how can i like put blame elsewhere and stuff and say well it doesn't work for me or a calorie deficit doesn't work for me it's impossible or something's you know it's a lot easier to say that my body's broken or there's something wrong with me or something like that than saying like there's something wrong with me internally from a metabolic standpoint or there's something wrong with me that somehow um, the thermodynamic energy balance doesn't work. It's much easier to blame something like that than blame. I'm just not eating as much. I'm just eating more than I think. You know, it's yes. just people take it really personal. People would rather say there's something wrong with me from a metabolic standpoint than say, hey, I'm just not sticking to the to the calories. And you know, because I, I think it then makes people it makes people feel attacked. And stuff like that when you look at someone's calories and say you're not doing it it makes it feel people feel like they're, they're lying where it's a lot easier to say look there's a reason it's not my fault whereas when you're saying you're eating too much you're not seeing your calories that directly says i'm challenging you and people really take a lot of offense to that and the hard thing is with nutrition is that even the people at a really high level they make tracking errors. You know, I always say, even when I was at, when I was in my best shape, you know, I'd always track everything and flexible diet, but something I'd often do is I would start to get lazy. Instead of tracking my breakfast, I'd then start being like, oh, I won't put this in. I'll put it in later. And then I'll, I'll have a snack and then I have lunch. And then in the afternoon I'm like, oh, fuck, like, how much did I eat again? And then you yeah. start to end everything in and like, oh shit, did I have that? Or how much did I have of that? And you start to forget and then, you know, you make these errors or then you also start to get lazy with your tracking. Like initially you start to weigh everything and then you start to eyeball things. And, you know, if you've got nuts or something like that, almonds or something, 20 grams versus 30 grams can look very similar, but there could be, you know, a hundred calorie difference. And inevitably we get lazier and lazier and lazier with our tracking and we mistrack and we make tracking errors and people just eat more than they realize. And so often... Yeah, you know, I had a person the other day message me about their client. And they're like, oh, my client's 100 kilos and she's on 1,200 calories and not losing. And and I was like, well, 
I have a client who's, you know, 57 kilos losing on 1200 calories. And, and then I was trying to explain to them, yeah, she's like, yeah, but she's overweight. I'm like, yeah, but if you're overweight, that means you're actually more primed to lose body fat. You know, there's nothing from a, a deeper, you know, yeah. your total body, your, your total body mass is linked to your metabolic rate. You know, you weigh more, you expend far more calories. And there's this person, she's like, oh, they're training four days a week. They're doing X amount of steps and they're hundred kilos. I'm like, well, unless they're just, you know, unless there's just some magical thing and, you know, but, yeah, the funny thing with metabolic adaptation is, again, once that came on the scene, then people start to use that a lot. But it's not like metabolic adaptation takes your metabolism down 80%, you know, your 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 rate of calorie expenditure down 80%. Like, it will slide things down, you know. So, like, you know, you might start at 3,000 calories as your maintenance and the end of a really hard fat loss phase, you might be 22, 2300 calories, you know, maintaining your weight, but it's not something like where you're at 1200 calories, you know, metabolic adaptation is it's not going to drop that low. No, it, it, it's going to drop and drop and drop for sure. And some people, it does seem to drop faster or at a higher rate, but it's never something that you can't work around, you know? And so it's just, and this is a hard thing. So again, it's, it's going from, all right, starvation mode to, all right, metabolic adaptation is the reason. So therefore I'm not losing. But again, it's normally the people who are saying this are the ones who actually would be most primed to lose weight because they, they weigh more, which means they're expending more calories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so true. I've heard that one before too, man. Um, now, I know you talk a, a lot about this, man, but what's the one of the biggest issues of being in a calorie deficit for too long. I know I've done this personally myself, you know, you, you get into that surplus. Well, this is for guys more, but a lot of my female clients struggle with this too. You know, I tell them let's go through a building phase and obviously they don't like the the term building. So I say, let's go through a toning phase. And when they ask me, I say, all right, we need a minimum of, of 12, 12 weeks, but if we can push it to 12 months, push it to 12 months, but it's so hard articulating it to people because in one or two weeks, they're already saying, you know, I can feel my love handles a bit more. And just let's touch base on that, bro. Like, I know you get the best physiques in the world. And a lot of, honestly, bro, a lot of my clients, they they know about you, bro. And they they love you. They go, oh, look what Mark shared this and that. So it's good that you're actually teaching people what goes through a bikini models prep, you know, like they're, they're in a yeah. surplus for six months out of the year. I think... <laughs> It kind of depends on, you know, who the client is, but something I find is let's say you got a general population client and they've struggled with their weight for the last two, three, four, five, six, ten years or whatever. And then they come to you and, you know, they've done all these kind of all these kind of generic kind of keto diets and, you know, fasting stuff. And, you know, they get some some weight loss and then inevitably they generally then stop doing it and then put it back on and they go backwards. So often then these people come to you and you educate them on calories and macros and they start to lose weight and then they lose weight and lose weight and lose weight. And they're like, Oh my God, you know what? This shit works. I can do this. I can lose weight. And then they start to get a sense of, well, wow, now I feel really, really good. I look great. And then you go, all right, now it's time to put calories up. They go, what? Yes. I'm finally for the first time in five years feeling good about myself. And now you're telling me I have to eat more calories. Like what, why would I do that? And so people get super attached to, well, now I'm lean. So 1300 calories got me lean. So therefore I have to stay there forever. And that's why I think a lot of the time people need to be educated that, well, 1300 calories, for example, might've 
got you to where you are, but doesn't mean you have to stay there so you can build those calories up. And, and that's why I'm a big fan of, you know, reverse dieting. Not that there's anything necessarily magical about reverse dieting, but I think it's a really good place to psychologically help people build up their calories. And I see a lot of people like, oh, you just got to go back to maintenance straight away and stuff like that. And I'm like, you don't really work with people all that much. You know, you say that maybe a comp prep competitor and stuff where you just want to get them out of a severe calorie deficit. But if someone, you know, going from 85 kilos to 65 as a woman, they're not so lean that they're going to get on stage. So I think you can afford to build them up because they're not in a state where they're just so, so, so lean. Um, But from a standpoint of, of what's detrimental about being a calorie deficit, obviously you're going to have, you know, your negative negative metabolic adaptations when you diet, you know, and obviously they're going to be um, more prevalent the longer you diet. So yeah, your metabolic rate will be lowered because you're going to move more, move less, you know, your ability to build muscle mass is going to get worse and worse and worse in the deficit. The larger your calorie deficit, the longer you're in a calorie deficit, the more weight you lose, the more basically impossible it is going to be to put on muscle mass. So a lot of people I find, and also we can look at, you know, your hunger, your hunger signals, your your satiety signals are going to be more negatively associated to being in a um, calorie deficit, especially the longer you go. So what happens is if you can convince someone to get out of a calorie deficit, you I find you kind of need to not sell the, all right, get out of calorie deficit. You want to kind of, that's just, you know, the process. You want to sell kind of the, the, the why, the what that gets them. So they understand like, you know, it's like weight loss, you know, say, all right, well, I'm 80 kilos. Let's go on a calorie deficit. You want to not sell that. You want to sell, well, imagine if you hit, hit 65 kilos, which is, you talk about, imagine then you've got that confidence to go out and meet people and go to the beach. So that's why I'm often like, I try to sell to the client, you know, the end result. So yeah. if you look at, if you look at yourself and you're, you know, 65 kilos, I'm sure though, you're probably, especially training women, you think, well, cool, I'm lean, but I've got no butt and I don't have shoulders. I want to get strong and stuff like that. So all of a sudden, if you can start going, well, imagine if you had bigger glutes and you know that woman that you say is body goals, well, they spend a year in a surplus. And so the more you can kind of show that other people have done it and show that they've improved. So it's that kind of, you know, analogy of kind of feeling like you're going backwards to go forward. So let's spend six months adding muscle mass so that when we come back down, say in a year's time, we've, we have improved. And Anyone can get really lean, you know, it's simple, not easy, but simple to get lean, but it's actually quite hard to continually get better and better and better. And so often people lose body fat and then they don't really, they get lean and they get skinny, but then they don't actually hit their true body composition goals because then they don't do what it takes to then build new muscle mass. They just kind of stay in that, that awkward stage. I'm really lean, but I'm scared to get my calories up. So my performance doesn't improve. I'm not having sufficient enough calories to build muscle. I'm not having enough um, energy to get stronger so you know you kind of go into that standpoint of just just maintaining you're not getting stronger you're not building muscle you're not really adding anything to your physique to to um, improve long term so that's why i kind of just think the more that you can reframe you know why I should do a build like it's easy it's quite let's say you go all right so doing a build will help you manage your um, hunger levels or make you feel more satiated. It's going to help with increasing your libido. It's going to help with you burning more um, calories. Be like, okay, cool. But I want to stay lean. So the more you can kind of reframe, all right, well, 
let's yeah. go let's go from a visual standpoint imagine you had big glutes you know that woman you follow on social media you always say oh my god she's goals well look at her glutes that is not coming from just trying to stay super lean if you want bigger glutes you know you need to do x and stuff to get y and the more that you can kind of reframe that i think is going to be a, a pretty powerful tool to allow them to continually improve and improve yeah bro alex hormozzi says it best he goes sell them maui not the plane not the plane ride you know like exactly. no one wants to fucking say they'll be. The, yeah, the 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 journey is not you know often the easiest thing is the end, the end result is what's powerful and stuff like that. But the more the person enjoys the plane ride, the yeah. more likely there are actually to get to Maui and um you know and then then once they get that result, they're probably also then going to be more likely to continue it because you know how often do you see someone do epic things in eight twelve weeks get a great result. But it was just so brutal that then they can't maintain it and then they go right backwards and stuff like that. So it's um it's it's definitely about getting the result, but also trying to do it in a way where someone doesn't suffer and a way that people can f- foresee them doing this long term. Yeah. All right. Now for everyday, everyday mums like that, the average client trains three days a week with us at Movie Matt. That's the that's my gym name. Um for someone looking to, you know, get in better shape, they're, they're 40, 45 years old, they've just had a kid, where would you start them at, Mark, if they've come to you? And they've done a few diets here and there. I know I know it's very general. And, and I hate it when people ask me, like, for example, they say, Matt, how much should I lift with my deadlift? You probably get it a million times. All, all the way. <laughs> and I go, it's an impossible question. They go, what do you mean? Like, how much should I shoulder press? I'm like... <laughs> um. So, wait, so... So ask me the question again. All right. So we've got like a mum. we'll say she's 45 years old. She's looking to lose a bit of weight. Now, what should she focus on? Obviously, should she jump straight into a diet um, or just focus on recovery? You know, she's super stressed. Let's say she's, um, you know, she's sleeping five hours a night. She's got a kid that's crying all the time. She's looking at getting back into training. Like where would you start someone who hasn't got the whole training down pat? Because just to give you some, um, like, just to give you a picture, people come to me, they're not training, they're not doing nutrition. They say, Matt, look, this is what I want to look like in 10 weeks. I want to train, you know, six days a week. I want to jump in and I want to start nutrition. And I won't take people on with nutrition because I know throwing macros and calories, they're not ready for it, bro. I'll say, look, show up at, show up at the gym three days a week, start with that. Like, yeah. what's your approach with someone just looking at a beginner? If if someone, I'll reframe that. These days, kind of the way I'd look at it is, all right, if someone can make three days a week and, you know, they want to lose a bit of weight, but often, you know, and they're stressed out and stuff like that, they haven't been doing anything, so they've probably got a, a poor work capacity. So something, I'm, you know, I've, I've kind of changed my mind on a fair bit is, you know, a bit more aerobic work, you know, so they're also going to be doing weights and stuff like that, but not, it doesn't have to be a kind of movie montage of just walking in the gym and just crushing themselves, trying to walk out where they're crawling out the gym and they're sore for four days after a workout and stuff like that. So I normally look at trying to do like three days, whole body weights where you're trying to look at trying to um, work on techniques. So not doing super high reps, not doing 15, 20 reps, trying to keep reps around that six, eight, 10 rep range. Cause again, higher reps are actually going to be um, harder on the nervous system because you're just doing more reps. So more reps producing more cortisol. So we can keep reps down 
but at a rep, but that doesn't necessarily mean, all right, we're going to do, you know, our six rep max. It might mean we're going to do a four, zero, one, zero tempo. We're going to be doing a two, two, one, zero. So a pause, something work where we're working really on technique to build their confidence up, not doing crazy, crazy high um, volume, basic movement patterns, trying to improve their, um, how they execute and, First week, you know, I'm a really big fan of, you know, maybe keeping three, four reps in the tank. We don't want to crush them. We just want to improve the technique. The first few weeks, what happens when you start training is you improve your neurological adaptation. So people always are after their structural adaptation. So structural adaptation is kind of being, you know, we think more like muscle mass added and stuff like that. But if we can improve your neurological adaptations, which is basically your body's and brain's understanding of how to ex execute a movement pattern. And that actually just comes from repetition. It doesn't come from killing yourself in the gym, taking things to failure and doing these drop sets. So that's kind of where I'd start with these people these days is like basic whole body sessions. Where we're trying to train, train a lot of muscle tissue. We're not trying to, you know, do five sets of glutes on day one where we just bomb them and their, their body's not built up for that. Um, I'd also look at doing, you know, obviously just a step target for the day where we're just trying to get them moving. You know, I, I quite like the the phrase movement is life. It's just something that's going to get them, you know, move a bit more often helps with stress management. I like to say, Hey, get outside, try to do your movement, not in the gym, try to go for a walk near the beach or something or get out in nature that can be quite calming. And then these days I'm, I'm quite a big fan of starting um, a client with a poor work capacity in more of a um, aerobic base phase. So we're doing more aerobic work. So not trying to do again, interval. So interval work, a intervals is kind of like you can get injured doing intervals you're not used to doing it's kind of like hey i haven't trained before so let's do a three rep max you kind of build someone into it so aerobic work though i quite like because you're not going to jack up stress hormones as much aerobic work is going to be the most positive for improving your um, fitness your heart and so what happens is the more that we can improve that quickly the more that we can potentially bring down their resting heart rate so the more we bring down their resting heart rate the more that they potentially have a better ability to handle their stress or if their stress goes up they potentially have a better ability to quickly bring down those stress hormones and get out of that really stressed state and um, that's something i'd look at doing so build up aerobic fitness a couple of days whole body weights um to practice movement patterns, some steps. And then as well, from a standpoint of, as you said, you know, they're not sleeping that much. They're stressed out. Look at trying to balance out some of their, um, their activities. So obviously training is going to be more sympathetic state activity. So it's going to put you in more of a stress state, a good stressor, but it's still a stress, um, still stress state. So the more we can, you know, balance out their life with more parasympathetic state activity. So that's going to be things that are going to bring down your resting heart rate um, have you slow your breathing so things like you know massages um, breathing techniques even reading a book shown to actually be really good just as good as like something like meditating and stuff like that so we're trying to um, get them to balance out their training their fitness and again things that actually calm them to allow them potentially to then build up to doing more and more and more um so yes, that's kind of look at it. And then other, the other thing is kind of like working on just like sleep hygiene, working on their bedtime routine, something like that. So a lot of people say how terrible their sleep is and that's fine, especially mums and stuff like that. But there's also things you can often target. Where can they go to bed a bit early? Can they get off their phone late at night? Can they do this? Can they do that? So do whatever you can. You know, you might find one thing out of 10 they can do for their sleep, but that one thing can mean they have an extra 30-minute sleep or they have a better sleep quality where they don't sleep through the night. So 
sleeping for five hours unbroken is a lot better than obviously maybe sleeping for five hours and 15 minutes, but they wake up five, six times in the night. So if you can't improve, if you can't improve their sleep volume, can we improve their sleep quality, things like that. So I'm not sure if that answers the question. A hundred percent, bro. That was awesome. And I found that helps clients too. You know, they're small little nuggets because if you throw the whole kitchen sink at them and you're like, all right, you need fucking eight hours here. Cause most coaches are like that, bro. Straight out of the textbook. I'm like, look, we don't live in a fucking bubble where we can all sleep eight hours a night. And yeah, so it's, it really, so some, some people, you know, you get people in there, like, you know, someone like us, we could probably do a lot better than we realize with sleep. And then you get moms and they've got three kids and waking up at night. And so you can't do the same extent of, Hey, here's a perfect optimal world, but it's like, well, what can you do to be a little bit better? What exactly one, one thing, even if it helps with that 1% and then another week you do something that helps another 2% and then another thing, it sounds tiny and it sounds really cliche again, but those little one percenters increase and increase. And the more that you can get yourself out of a shit place, the more it's going to allow you to get better, work harder and work harder and tolerate more training, tolerate more volume. So that's why sometimes, yeah, it depends. So I'm really big on obviously dramatic transformations. That's what I do really well. But I also used to say when I used to teach courses around the world on it, I was like, I was saying my thing is getting insane point A to point B transformations in eight, 12 weeks, but they're only for the right client. Not everyone is in a place that they can do this right now. So sometimes you need to spend six months building that base before you then go for that transformation. It's not always just, hey, let's go kamikaze and I've gone from nothing. Sometimes you're spending six months of not even losing weight, but improving your habits, getting and building a bit more of a, a training base, um, managing your stress, improving your sleep habits. You're basically priming yourself to then when you go into a calorie deficit, absolutely crush it. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. Even when, when I first got into it, man, and uh, I, was, I was completely new, I used to look at physiques and be like, Fuck if they if I just jump in a deficit, I'll look like John Cena. But <laughs> you don't realize that they've gone through fucking fifteen years. Even if they are juiced up, you know, they still work their ass off. Even yeah, they're, yeah, they're juiced up and you know, they're also you know, genetic freaks and you know and you know, you don't get I know I know John Cena, like I think he still squats like six plates aside for reps and stuff. He's like a yeah, fucking that's that, that's what they're doing, you know. So it's uh for me. I'm not sure if you get it much, but I often, so often I get women will send me a photo of like a client I train in. A bikini pro is 24 years old. She's a personal trainer online and she's a bikini pro. And she's like, hey, I want to look like this in eight weeks. How do I, which program's that? Bro, I get it fucking all I'm like, <laughs> every day. Well, yeah. I'm like, well, A, she's a personal trainer. A, she's been training for six years to look like that and blah, blah, blah. And then B, you're a mom. You just told me that you can train three days a week. Um, for 30 minutes and your sleep <laughs> is not there, your stress is out there. So sometimes something, I forget when I was saying this, I don't know if I posted this or I said it on a podcast or something, but I think the rise of social media fitness has been a great thing because it's made people want to get out and train and stuff like that. So, oh, wow, training, 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 fitness, health. But it's also risen the amount of amazing bodies you see. So you just see, you know, jacked shredded perfect physiques everywhere and so you feel like that's normal but again you see you might see you know 10 in australia you might on your profile you might follow seven in dubai you might follow 15 in america so you're following 100 perfect looking people 
And so you think that's normal. You think, oh, well, if I'm seeing 100 people, it's everywhere. It's just yes. that you're seeing that. It's not normal. You see, you know, if, you know, if you ever go to like a music festival or the beach, if you, even these days, you see that jacked person, everyone still stops and stares. You know, in real life, it's different. You're like, oh, my God, that's what someone looks like. But then on social media, people get this perception that because they see beautiful bodies everywhere now, especially when you follow 200 influencers, it creates this unrealistic expectations like oh well everyone's like that i should be able to do that if i if i do that program and they fail to realize hey that influencer with who's 30 with 30 years old with 4 million followers they've been training since they're 14 you know yeah. that's that's what people don't grasp and it gives people often an unrealistic expectation which can be you know quite hard quite, for a coach yeah <laughs> like ah, oh, and but you know and then and then, you know, they might lose six kilos, which is great in 12 weeks. You know, they've changed their habits. They've lost six kilos just doing three days a week training. And their energy's better. Their mood's better. And then they go look at their photo and you can see great changes, but they're like, oh, but I don't look like this person, you know? And it's like, yeah, but you've done so well. Look where you came from. Yeah. It's, it's quite easy to look for things these days to make you feel shit because it's everywhere. There's, and everywhere I look, there's people with more followers, bigger businesses or whatever I do, you know, but it's very, it's very easy to look for people who are doing better than you in life, but it's also hard to kind of go, all right, let's run my own race. Maybe they're doing this or maybe their business is not as good behind the books and stuff like that. Or maybe that person has a way better body than me, but they're also a terrible human or they've got a terrible relationship. And, you know, there's so many different yeah, things. Bro. Life, and we just put people on pedestals all the time. We think, oh, they're doing so much better than me. So therefore their life. And I guarantee, you know, like from training so many great people, you know, people who body goals for women, often they're not the most happy people. They 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 have confidence issues and stuff like that. So that's just something I see as well. So I've had clients in the past, real quick before we wrap it, um, that were like forty nine kilos, you know, and it was her physique would be everyone's dream body, and then speaking to her, she wants to get to forty eight, and it's yeah, just like they are. So it's whatever you where wherever you're at, if you're not somewhere like you know it's like there's no sense of fulfillment i often get that as well like for unsadly you know often i'm like well right now i'm like man like i'm doing shit because i want to be at you know x and i'm right now i'm at y and you're like oh man like i'm i feel so far from it i'm such a loser i'm shit i suck and stuff like that but then he's like well where you are right now i'm probably sure you know five years ago you've been like wow you know i'm doing amazing so it's just kind of it's important and i did a podcast on it the other day i was like you know trying to measure backwards look at where you are right now and don't measure forward don't measure where you're not measure you know backwards from how far you've come bro and i've thought about that too like your work ethic you might you might feel like fuck i've done fuck all today but your capacity compared to someone else who said fuck i've worked so much today is like night and day difference you know and where you're at right now, like the next person's fucking down here. But in your mind, you, you feel like you need to keep doing more and more. So I get that too, bro. I relate to that, man. 100%. But um, yeah, Marky, just before we wrap it, bro, um, like like what's the future look like now? I know you're doing a lot of new things now with uh, Carol Performance and stuff, but yeah, what's the, what's the plan? Or are you just taking it one day at a time, man? It's, it's a kind of a a weird world at the moment you know like the world changes so fast and so it's I've, i often joke that you know every time you feel like you're on top of something 
you know, say with social media, they change. They, you know, all right, we're no longer doing photos. We're doing videos. We're doing carousels. Now we're doing reels. And, and it's kind of just a summary of life. You know, there's always a new technology. You know, four years ago, there wasn't TikTok. And you're just like, all right, okay, cool. And so it's kind of, uh, often people ask me, I'm like, I don't really know. All I can do is try to get better as, as you know, lame as that sounds. I hope, I really desperately hope that I can keep growing my business and help more people and get my voice and my knowledge out there. Um, it's getting harder and harder and harder, but I truly do hope that I can do that. And yeah, so it's just about hopefully just doing trying to get better, trying to analyze everything I'm doing. How can I get better and stuff? So I really would like to just keep growing my platform, um, helping more people. Um, and yeah, just trying things. You know, I'm always trying to try things, see, see how something works. All right. That was a fail or what's next and stuff like that. So at the moment, it's just kind of building off what I, what I'm doing right now. Um, my education company, I'd like to see how we can grow that. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a different thing selling courses to, aspiring personal trainers to selling you know transformations to um, people and stuff like that so it's just kind of learning you know how how to get better at all these things so i'm really i feel more motiv more motivated than ever to try and get better at what i do and grow and grow and grow and so that's just the big focus and <laughs> where where that is what is you know what that is i'm not too sure um i try not to get too to fixate with specific goals because often I feel like you get let down or something like that. But yeah, as we spoke about, if you can do, you know, crush, crush a day, crush each week, crush each month and stuff like that, things are going to change. And something I'm quite big on, man, is that everything I'm doing now was never the plan. And if I was too fixated on just that, all right, I have to be X this and I wanted to be the best personal trainer and have the highest recession rate in the gym and stuff like that, that would have been great, but I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. So it's important to have, it's important to be like, all right, I want to be as successful as possible. And you also then need to be open to then things coming up and changing you going a different path and deviating, deviating. So if you're going, whatever success is, sometimes, as I say, it's not always going to be linear and whatever you think might've been the thing that takes you there often the world changes and then you need to take a different step. And it's kind of being open to, seeing what happens, seeing what, seeing what new things come on and not being too fixated, like be fixated, be obsessed with trying to be your best, but also be really open to when things arise and the world changes, which changes so fast these days, be quick to jump on something else that could potentially continue to launch you there. Cause often what you thought was going to get you there often becomes quite redundant these days pretty quickly. Yeah, bro. And just in closing, man, I got this from Hormozy. He goes like, your work works on you more than you work on it. So like you're doing the minute stuff day to day, but you don't know all that shit's compounding, bro. Yeah, hopefully. Ho ho hopefully it is. You know, hopefully, you know, it's all going the right direction. Despite yeah. sometimes it feels like it doesn't. I think you, you generally, again, when you measure backwards where you were a year ago, two years ago, often you're doing a bit better than you realize. Yeah. All right, Mark, where can everyone find you, bro? And what have you got running at the moment, bro? If anyone wants to jump on that. Uh, right now, you guys can find me obviously on Coach Mark Carroll, um, my Instagram or coachmarkcarroll.com. Um, that's where all my programs are. Um, 
in about two weeks time, we're starting our next challenge, but it's going to be a new challenge. I'm kind of re redoing it. So I'm really excited about that. And also you can find me at my education company, Carol underscore performance or carolperformance.com. Um, if you're an aspiring personal trainer, if you're a personal trainer who wants to really take your knowledge to the next level to help, help clients. And then also the other one is, um, as I said, I started a podcast um, the last few months. So if you want to another podcast to listen to when you're driving or something like that, that is just the Coach Mark Carroll podcast. So yeah, so you can hear that me. That is a great podcast, bro. And, and honestly, man. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, what was that podcast? The Coach Mark Carroll podcast. So yeah, yeah so that's, that's um, I'm, you know, I'm normally, it's just myself, but I'm going to try and get some more guests on it potentially as we go but yeah but if you go i try to keep them short simple like you said you know you do you know i think that's there's often a bit more time you know people enjoy that kind of short conversation where they're just maybe warming up in the gym or driving to work and stuff like that so yeah the coach mark carroll podcast if you guys would like to listen to me there as well awesome bro and from mate mate the gym's in inner west camps and honestly bro a lot of mums know about you man so i really appreciate your time mark bro you're making a big difference and uh yeah bro just know, bro, we see, we see your work, bro. Thank you very much. Absolute Good. pleasure to be on today. Thanks, Heaps, bro. Thanks for your time too, man. My pleasure, bro. Good we finally did it. What's that? It's good we finally.